it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 259. And today, Andrew and I thought we would talk about taxes. Yes, everybody's favorite subject, taxes. By the time this goes live, it will probably be closer to the middle of February. And people will start receiving their W-4s, W-2s, and started getting ready for tax filing season, everybody's favorite season. So we thought this might be an appropriate conversation to just give everybody an overview and help you prepare a little bit for your favorite friend paying taxes. So I guess the first question would be why, why do we need to talk about taxes? So Andrew, do you want to tell our good listeners why we want to think about this? Unfortunately, when you invest, you're going to pay taxes if you make money. So there's going to be two ways they will hit you on this. They're going to hit you on any money you make. That's called capital gains. And they'll also hit you on any income you receive. So if that's like a dividend, for example, you'll have to pay taxes on the dividends. Now, if you're saving for retirement, the government's given lots of tax exceptions. And those are the things that we try to get people to become aware of so that you can save layers of taxes when you invest. That's awesome. So let's talk about capital gains. What are capital gains and how can you, I guess, avoid paying them if you have to? Yeah. So, I mean, the simplest way to think about it, if you buy a stock and it goes from 20 and you sell at 25, that difference that you made between 20 to 25, that's your capital gain. That's That would be $5. And so they're going to tax you on that. And that's something that's going to be reported through your broker. So if you know, you have Merrill Edge or you got Fidelity, they're going to print out a form at the end of the year, send it to you, and then it's on you to send it to the IRS and send any monies along with that if you owe anything. So a couple of things about the capital gains. I mean, in this conversation, we'll try to avoid using specific numbers and percentages because these things change over the years. Even, you know, new presidents or Congress comes in, they might tweak these things. And also, if you're doing this stuff yourself, I think you owe it to yourself to double check your sources and not just go on the first thing you hear. So with capital gains, 
if you hold a stock for less than a year, it's called a short-term capital gain. And if you hold it for more than a year, it's a long-term capital gain. And so the long-term capital gain could be a lot less than the short-term. And so if you can, it's better to hold stocks for at least a year in order to get a better tax rate on the capital gains. So in essence, to use your your $5 analogy, but if you buy company A for $20 and you sell it for $25 within a calendar year, you will pay a higher rate on that $5 than if you held it for 366 days as opposed to 364 days. So if I held that for, let's say, three years and I made $15, then I would pay a different rate even though it's the same company and I sold it three years later, I would pay a different rate on that $15 that I earned on the difference over the three-year period. Yep, that's exactly it. Okay, okay. that's. I think that's fairly straightforward. All right, so I guess what are some ways, are there some vehicles that we could use to help us reduce the amount of taxes that we could owe by investing? There certainly are. So I want to push it back to you. Which one would be your favorite? And one that you think most people should use if they can. I think we're probably both bigger fans of retirement accounts. And when we talk about retirement accounts, we're, we're in essence referring to the two main ones. There are different kinds of retirement accounts depending on what your tax situation is and who you work for and, and how that all rolls in together. But the main two, I guess, would be the Roth IRA and the traditional IRA. And these are individual retirement accounts that you can use in, again, the amounts that you can use to help you reduce taxes will change from year to year. The IRS does update them annually. Sometimes they do it every year. Sometimes they do it every other year. It just kind of depends. So it it would be a good idea to every year to look and see what your allowed amounts are depending on your marriage situation and your employment situation. But the basic gist of them to make it easy for people to understand is a Roth IRA, you pay your taxes now. So when I get my paycheck, I pay my taxes. And then when I invest that money, then I don't owe money on those taxes. I don't owe taxes on that money at the end of my retirement. Traditional, I don't pay the taxes now. And then I invest that money. And then when I start taking uh, distributions or money out of that account at some point in the future, then I will owe Uncle Sam taxes on that money at that time. That's the easiest way for me to think about them. But I know you have specific reasons why you like the Roth IRA. And we've talked about that before, but maybe you could refresh people's memories on that. Sure. Before I do, break down the traditional IRA again, because it's it's very similar to people's 401k accounts. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, when I used to be a W-2 worker for somebody else, I remember seeing how the 401k would affect my paycheck. So mm-hmm. give us an example yeah. of like how the 401k affects taxes. When you say pay taxes later, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. All right. Perfect. So I think the easiest way to think about that is when you use a traditional IRA, you get a tax benefit on your paycheck every two weeks or every week or a month or however you get paid. And it works the same with with the 401k. And what that means in numbers wise, just to make it easy, let's say that you earn $30,000 a year and you set aside $5,000 a year to be taken directly from your paycheck into your traditional IRA. That means that it reduces the amount of taxable income that you would 
have to pay taxes on for that calendar year. So instead of having to pay taxes on $30,000, you would pay taxes on $25,000, which depending on what your tax bracket is, could save you quite a bit of money. And so that money is considered tax deferred. And so that $5,000 you've taken and put into your traditional IRA, you have not paid taxes on that because those taxes were not withdrawn from the $5,000 initially. And so the government is basically putting an IOU on that $5,000. At some point in the future, you will have to pay taxes on that. Now, the trick is, is that the $5,000 that you set aside, it will grow in value, hopefully. And over time, you will have to pay taxes on that. But the tax bracket that you pay will be based on your retirement, not what it was when you earned it when you were 24 years old. So there could be a big difference, hopefully, in what your tax bracket is. So it is something you have to, to, I guess, to consider and think about. And whenever we're talking about taxes, I always like to say, Andrew and I are just giving you some guidance and maybe some general information. But if you really, really need to dive into this stuff, talk to a tax professional because they're the people that will know this inside and out and can help you conclusively figure out what would be the the best way to put it. So I think, does that help kind of explain the the traditional? I guess maybe you could talk a little bit more about the the Roth IRA. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. 
Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Yep. So like you said earlier, the with the traditional or traditional 401k or traditional IRA, you're paying taxes later, tax deferred. The Roth IRA, you're paying taxes now with the benefit there being when you take out in retirement, you don't have to pay taxes on that. And so that could give you a level of freedom depending on how much money you've accumulated. So if you feel more comfortable in your you know, financial situation, you don't feel like you want to take taxes now, that's definitely a way to go. It's kind of like a delayed gratification thing. But you know, there's arguments for doing one or the other. The main point is to do at least one of those because those are serious tax savings that the government's offering to encourage people to take care of themselves. And it makes no sense to not take advantage of those. Nobody knows what the tax rates are going to be in 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, but shielding yourself from one layer of tax is going to leave you more money than if you don't use any tax shields at all. And this is all legal. This is all just above the board, like things that the government wants us to take advantage of. So you might as well do it. Yeah, exactly. That's why they put these different retirement accounts into place was to help encourage people to start investing for their retirement. One thing I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit, and because you're the dividend king, can we talk a little bit about dividends and how they're treated tax-wise with a Roth versus a traditional? Yep. So when they lump in that tax-deferred idea, it's going to be any taxes on capital gains and dividends. So kind of like you're saying the IOU concept, if you're in a Roth IRA, remember you pay taxes on your income, you pay taxes first, you did not get to reduce the amount of taxes paid and reduce your taxable income. So the taxes on any dividends for the Roth, you won't have any because you've already paid taxes on the money you put into it. In particular, buying companies that pay dividends, which obviously we like, it would be more beneficial to hold it in a Roth IRA than a traditional, just as a general rule, not specifics? Yeah, as a general rule. But in my opinion, it's kind of like splitting hairs a little bit when you start to get into that situation. Because another thing about the Roth and the traditional is you have to pick one from year to year. You can't say, I'm going to put three grand in a traditional IRA and three grand in a Roth. You have to pick one or the other for that year. And so you can't necessarily like say, I'm going to put my non-dividend paying stocks here, my dividend paying stocks there. (laughs) You can, if you're talking about like a regular account that has no tax shield, but when it comes Mm -hmm. to the retirement accounts, it can get kind of tricky, but that's it. (laughs) Okay. I know that uh, when you open a brokerage account, this is one of the first questions that they ask you is what kind of account you want to set up, whether it would be a, a traditional brokerage account or whether it would be one of the retirement accounts. And we strongly encourage you to learn more about these accounts and use either traditional or Roth, whichever works better for your uh, retirement situation and tax situation, as opposed to just opening a brokerage account without any sort of other tax consequences or implications, uh, that would probably not be the best choice initially. Uh, there's also an HSA. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? No, you could talk about that because <laughs> you know more about them than I do. Oh, yeah. Our buddy Andy is a huge fan of HSAs. Mm-hmm. It is a way to 
pay for medical expenses and also save money tax deferred as well. So an HSA works similarly where it can reduce the amount of taxable income. Going back to your example, I can't remember what the numbers were. Was it like 30 and 25? Yeah. So let's say you made 30 grand and you were allowed to put five grand in an HSA that would reduce your tax bracket down to the 25 grand. And so it can be a great way at the end of the year, if you're trying to reduce your taxes, you could put some extra Christmas bonus in in your HSA and that reduces your tax liability. A few things, it's similar to retirement accounts where there's an early penalty if you take out early. So you want to familiarize yourself with those rules, whatever they are at the time you're trying to make a move. And also you have to have a very specific type of insurance in order to contribute to an HSA. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a high deductible insurance, whether that's through your work or if you're self-employed, it has to have a high deductible and that definition changes. So you are taking a little bit of risk rather than just having full coverage. Now you're adding like a high deductible, but it is cheaper and you are able to, like my HSA, I actually invest in the stock market just the same as all my other accounts. So you can make that grow pretty nicely. But there is a little bit of a risk that if something happens to you, now you have a high deductible and you're having to pay that medical expense out of pocket. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Yep, exactly. I use an HSA as well. I have one to pay my medical bills. And the nice thing about it is those are bills I'm, I was already going to pay. I have to pay. And so by using an HSA, it helps me reduce my taxable income the same as it would as a traditional IRA. And so that's one of the nice benefits as well. And if you're in a situation where you do have regular medical bills, it could be another easy way to reduce your taxable income that, again, all government you know, sanctioned. And it's very easy to use. You can get your own debit card. That's what I have. I mean, I have mine through Fidelity and they give me a specific debit card and then that's what I use to pay my bills online. And this makes it really easy. I just transfer the money into the HSA and then I use the card to pay and voila, you know, I get a tax break. So it works out slick. And I think I don't have a traditional, but I do have a Roth IRA and you can contribute to both during the same year. So I'm not sure about a traditional. I don't know how that would work. A traditional IRA? Yeah. Yeah, from my understanding, it's like HSA is a completely separate thing. So nice. that is a cool benefit. Yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. If you're getting older as the older person in the room, medical bills, unfortunately, are going to be something that we may all have to pay. And this might be a nice way to set yourself up because you can contribute every year to them. And I think the maximum amount right now is $7,000. Or seventy five hundred. I don't remember specifically, but I mean that could be a nice that could be a nice chunk of change to set aside if you anticipate having to pay those in the future. And it grows in the stock market. It does. You know, it's nice. All right. So we've talked about accounts. We talked about why. Can we talk? Can we talk about some deductions? How can we utilize those to help reduce our taxable the amount we owe for taxes? Yeah. So I guess kind of going off that same assumption. I think that we're doing this whole episode of maybe you've never had to deal with paying taxes or you're just not all that familiar. Hopefully this clears up by really breaking down the basics. But the way you can do taxes is you can take a standard deduction or you can itemize, which means you're taking your own individual deductions. So 
just to use an example, the standard deduction is $12,000, let's say. And let's say you have 8,000 in itemized deductions. You take the greater of the two. So we can talk about all the different itemized deductions and you basically just add it all up and you see if did my itemized deductions exceed the standard deduction or not. So the biggest one probably is mortgage interest. Any interest you pay on your mortgage can be itemized. So going back to that example, if I paid 20 grand in mortgage interest, that's higher than the standard deduction. So I can deduct 20 grand of my taxable income based on an itemized deduction. Yeah, that's awesome. So these are things that it's obviously the more complicated your financial situation becomes, the more you'll probably have to track those things where if you're 24 and just out of school and don't have a lot of assets and things like that, then the standard deduction probably is the easier route to go depending on what your financial situation is. I guess the next big one, especially for investors, is uh, capital loss deductions. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes to that whole tax harvesting idea. So do you want to explain tax harvesting? Yeah, I am not an expert on tax harvesting, but my understanding of the idea is that you sell your losers before the end of the year so that you can report losses on your investments, which you can use as deductions when you file your taxes on an annual basis. And there are, I think some of the robo-advisors are really big into this, where they really try to, I guess, in essence, manipulate your portfolio to try to take advantage of potential losses to use to your gain to help you reduce your taxable income. And high-income earners probably rely on this a lot as well. Normal peasants like myself, probably not so much. Uh, it's not really my area of expertise in, in investing. But especially after last year, not being the greatest year in the stock market, this could be something that you can consider when you're thinking about whether you want to do a standard deduction or itemize, depending on what your how bad your portfolio performed during the year and how much this could benefit you in the, I guess, deduction department. Does that kind of cover it? Yeah, I actually, now that we say it out loud, I think you might be able to do a capital loss and it maybe it's not itemized. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on it. But bottom line, it's like one of those deductions you can take. I'm personally like super against the idea of tax loss harvesting when you talk about like solely doing it to save taxes because if I bought Apple, for example, and it just happened didn't happen to go my way this year, just because it's a loss doesn't mean I'm gonna sell it, you know, right. Just to take the tax hit. Like that makes no sense at all. Cause that's sure you might save on taxes, but that's still money that comes out of your pocket. Mm -hmm. So, you know, would I light a dollar bill to save the twenty five cents that could have been right. a tax deduction? Like that's the kind of the way I look at it. Picking up pennies in front of a steamroller kind of idea. <laughs> But you know, there is a time and a place, I think, for tax loss harvesting. Mm -hmm. For example, I think we heard a couple horror stories of people who made like millions of dollars in cryptocurrency and then oops, I forgot to set aside some for taxes. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you have a huge tax liability. So, you know, if you have investments in the stock market rather than take on credit card debt, you could liquidate some of those with the added benefit of saving a little bit on taxes if those investments are down and you didn't yeah. want them anyway. 
So there is some benefit there, but I would caution like don't start making portfolio decisions based off of that because there are rules too. You can't just like sell a stock, take the deduction, and then go back in. That that's also against the rules. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to use it as like an excuse to sell out of your losers, but it can be a benefit depending on your personal situation at the time. Uh, were there any other deductions that we wanted to cover? Yeah, if you give to charity, that can be itemized. So let's say you're like at. 10 grand for your mortgage interest, you could add another four grand or three grand or something to get over. Let's say if it was a 12 grand. So you could add a little bit for charity or churches, and that would get you over the, the standard deduction. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, giving a course is an amazing thing to do if you have the resources to do it for sure. Yeah. All right. So we talked about retirement accounts. We talked about why. We talked about maybe some of the deductions. What is the number one best way to avoid paying taxes or reduce your taxable impact on your investments? I mean, the you just got to go the OG Warren Buffett himself. He says the best way to not pay taxes is just to buy and hold. So you know, we talk about capital gains taxes. You only have to pay those if you sell the stock. If you continue to hold it, you're not paying capital gains every year. At least at the time of this recording, there's whispers about them changing <laughs> it. But by not selling the stock, you're letting the value of it compound. And that's compounding. And you're not having to pay taxes as that grows. And so that's a very powerful way to compound your wealth. And that's really been the biggest way he has compounded his wealth is by investing in a company like Coca-Cola back in the 60s and holding it all these years and letting that just compound and compound and compound and it's you know grown in value exponentially over that period of time which kind of goes back to what you were talking about where if you are trying to tax you know harvest from part of your portfolio you're also interrupting the potential compounding of that portfolio as well so for a Coca-Cola for example or even using your example of Apple you know, if you sell some of that, a portion of that apple to try to benefit in the short term on your taxes, you could be impacting the returns that you earn and your overall wealth in the long term because you just reduce that amount that is available to compound. Yep. Yep. So buy and hold is probably, would you say that's probably one of the best ways to reduce your taxable income or reduce the taxes you would pay on investments? Yeah, I mean, if if there's one takeaway, I would say it's that one. It's a timeless, timeless concept. Yep, it is. And that's what we've been trying to preach for five plus years now. So, all right. So we've talked about all these. Now, how do you file? How do you file taxes? Well, I guess you could kind of take two approaches. One thing which I've always liked to do is just find somebody to do it for me. So you, you can usually find an accountant and they can ask you the right questions and get the right statements and all that because I I can't keep track of all the different forms that comes in my mailbox. So you can usually hire somebody for like 150 bucks or 200 bucks or something and they can do it for you. That's a, a really easy way to do it. I think even if you do do it though, you still need to be aware of these basic concepts because you do have to act accordingly. If you have 10 grand in dividends, Make sure you're setting some money aside for taxes and your accountant might not, you know, isn't behind your ear making sure you do that every time right. you get a dividend. Yeah, exactly. My The way that I have done it previously when I had a much simpler life was using TurboTax. It worked great for me. It was 
fairly easy to do and it didn't require a lot of like, heavy lifting mentally for me. Uh, when your life becomes a little more complicated, then it really depends on how much in control you want to be. The The rates that they charge, I think, were between around $30 to about $200, depending on the complexity and what exactly you want from them. And it takes about, it took me about an hour, hour and a half, I think, the last time I filed with them. So it's not super, super long. And uh, it's very easy to use. And they walk you through the differences between the standard deductions and the itemized deductions. And as long as you have all your paperwork, it's fairly simple. And again, if your life is pretty simple where you basically work and maybe you rent and maybe you don't have a mortgage payment, maybe you don't have student loans, hopefully, then and just your investment portfolio, it can be fairly easy walkthrough to do. But when you start having kids and you start having houses and other kinds of assets, it can get a little more complicated. And that's when I started using you know, personal people because it just makes it easier. But it really just depends on your tax situation. But I'm a big fan of TurboTax personally. Yeah. So when you say TurboTax, they walk you through it. You're talking about it's a software that it's a software, yep. questions. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And the other nice thing about it too is that it, depending on the level that you pay for, they also have assistance that you can get, whether it's either through their AI or whether it's actual people. So they will put you in touch with via chat or phone call and you can work with people while you're in the program doing stuff. And I've actually had to do that a couple of times because I had some specific questions about what I need to do with my daughter and getting divorced and whatnot. You know, I had somebody call me and they walked me through exactly what I needed to do. So it was kind of slick. But you know, it just depends on what your tax situation is and again how involved you want to be. Some people don't want to be that involved and some people want to be Uber involved. So it just depends. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well with that, then we will go ahead and wrap up our conversation on taxes and how to prepare yourself for tax filing season and thinking about your investments. And this is just a basic overview. If you have specific questions, again, please reach out to a tax professional. If you have more general questions, check out our website, einvestingforbeginners.com. You will find articles about the different taxable accounts that you can use, HSAs, Roth IRAs, traditionals, and things of that nature that can help give you a basic overview of information you need to start your filing taxes. Unfortunately, it's something we all have to do. And it's part of our civic responsibility as Americans to pay our taxes. So none of us like it, of course, but it is something we got to do. And hopefully this can help you a little bit. So without any further ado, go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.